0: Welcome to episode three of Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. My name is Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo in Canada. And in the first couple of episodes, we've been talking about what communication is. And then we talked about some of the fundamental features of interpersonal communication. And today, in today's episode, I promised to get a little bit more specific about interpersonal communication. And we're going to talk about what I think are the two most uh, fundamental and important interpersonal communication practices, and both practices uh, mostly revolve around listening, and so they're not uh, they're not practices of speech in the same exact way as you might think of a normal communication skill or that kind of what we think of when we think of communication practices. We think of what we have to say. Here uh, in this week, I'm going to talk about how to listen and how what we say is a reflection of the manner in which we're listening. So the popular term or the most popular term in communication studies for listening is what's called active listening. And the word active listening kind of makes a distinction between passive listening, which is not quite as good, and active listening is this other thing which is supposed to be better. So that's one thing we're going to talk about. But before we even get there, we're going to talk about mirroring and emotional contagion. And mirroring is also an important kind of listening practice, and it's somewhat related to active listening, but they're not exactly the same thing. So I want to be careful to make a distinction between the two. So uh, mirroring and active listening are mostly matters of interpersonal communication, but sometimes they can also come into group situations or small group situations. Um, Today I'm going to talk about them in terms of uh, interpersonal communication. So mirroring is one of the most important and basic interpersonal communication skills that we can develop and that we can master. It produces, and it's so important because it produces, a range of positive effects. And we'll talk a little bit about the effects in a second, but let's talk about what mirroring is first. If I'm going to put it in its simplest form, mirroring is just the practice of paraphrasing and restating both the words and feelings of another. Mirroring allows the other to hear their own thoughts and to focus on their beliefs and feelings. In addition, mirroring shows a person's deep commitment to understanding the world as the other person sees or experiences it. That is the other person that you are mirroring. And it also encourages the other person to continue talking. Mirroring does not involve asking direct questions. It doesn't involve leading the conversation in another direction and it doesn't involve introducing new topics. It should be short, it should be simple, and it's usually enough to simply restate some of the keywords or phrases that your partner used. Sometimes it requires some paraphrasing, whereby one partner tries to put into his or her own words what the other partner is trying to say. But a person skilled at mirroring simply restates or paraphrases keywords or phrases to reflect both the rational and emotional content of a person's communication. This means that the person doing the mirroring has to look for both nonverbal and verbal cues that show what the person is thinking and how the person is feeling. The person doing the mirroring also, and this is perhaps the most important feature, also must be nonjudgmental. That's perhaps the most important characteristic of mirroring. The objective when mirroring is not to evaluate the content of a partner's statements or emotions, because if you did that, you would be producing defensiveness on the part of your partner. Mirroring um, can also be a nonverbal communication practice whereby one partner, either consciously or unconsciously, begins to mirror the body language and physical movements of another partner. Cases of nonverbal mirroring are used to build rapport or as a deep or as a sign of kind of deep rapport between two people, and they usually produce trust and interpersonal liking. So when when one person is unconsciously or consciously mirroring the nonverbal signals of another, the other person tends to evaluate them positively and tends to trust them and tends to feel a greater degree of interpersonal liking for that other person. Contemporary psychotherapy, including the methods practiced by Carl Rogers, often uses mirroring to help build trust with a patient and to help the patient grow and develop more. Uh, I don't know if some of you ever watched The Sopranos, the television show, and that great show, Tony Soprano, who's the sort of lead protagonist of the show, he attends therapy with a woman named Dr. Melfi, and those are some of the most compelling scenes of of that show, at least for me. I think they're, they're fascinating, but what Dr. Melfi uses with Tony is simply mirroring techniques, and she uses those mirroring techniques to get Tony to talk more and help Tony Soprano realize what it is that he's really thinking or feeling. Uh, there's a great scene called the Happy Wanderer, and you can go to YouTube and just sort of put Soprano's Happy Wanderer scene in there. And uh, the scene will come up. And in the scene, Tony tells Dr. Melfi that he wants to take a brick and smash her face into hamburger. And Dr. Melfi simply replies, so you'd like to take a brick and you'd like to smash my face in. And then she says, do you think making hamburger out of me would make you feel better? This leads to an intense scene and Tony starts wrestling with why he feels so angry, where the anger comes from, what kind of person he wants to be, compared to the kind of person that he is. And it's the initial act of mirroring that leads the partnership into a deeper, more intimate territory. And it also leads Tony to trust Dr. Melfi more deeply. And if any of you listening out there have ever attended therapy, odds are your therapist used this kind of mirroring with you in order to get you to trust that therapist more completely and in order to get you to start reflecting on what it is that you're saying, how it is that you're feeling, and to get you to develop your thought more fully. So here's one simple interpersonal communication practice that you can do today or tomorrow and that will improve your interpersonal communication skills. Mirror your partner's words to build trust and intimacy and to help your partner explore their own feelings more deeply and more freely in a non-judgmental way. This is a simple but difficult practice to master. Imagine if someone told you that they wish to smash your face in. Reacting in the non-judgmental way that Dr. Melfi does is really a learned skill and therapists have this skill in spades, but there's no reason the rest of us couldn't also master that particular skill. What Dr. Melfi's reaction But what makes Dr. Melfi's reaction especially notable is the fact that Tony Soprano is clearly angry when he tells her what he wants to do. And emotional contagion is part of mirroring that we have to look out for also. Emotional contagion is the tendency for two people engaged in interpersonal communication to emotionally converge. In other words, if one person is really excited, either consciously or unconsciously, The other person usually becomes excited too. We tend to synchronize our emotions with the emotions of people around us, and we mirror those emotions back to those other people. In the scene between Dr. Melfi and Tony Soprano, Dr. Melfi doesn't mirror Tony's emotional state, but instead mirrors his words. And that is really, really, really important. We need to know when we are unconsciously mirroring our partner's emotional state and whether or not that's helpful. If we mirror our partner's anger in an unconscious way, then that almost always escalates conflict. Emotional contagion teaches us that interpersonal conflict is often driven by reciprocal mirroring of emotional states between partners. However, emotional contagion can work to benefit interpersonal relationships as well. When the emotions being unconsciously mirrored are positive, contagion works to make others feel more uh, excited about one another. If, for example, uh, one person's excitement is unconsciously mirrored in another person, a deeper rapport can be generated between those two partners. That's the kind of simple message I'm trying to, to communicate here. So that tells us we can't let emotional contagion amplify conflict, but we can let it amplify positive emotional attractors. The more conscious we are of the ways in which we mirror other people, the better we will be at interpersonal communication. That's the other thing here. Really good masters of interpersonal communication are conscious of the ways they're mirroring. Whether that mirroring is nonverbal or verbal, like Dr. Melfi's, they know when they're doing it. And conscious verbal mirroring can build trust and intimacy. And unconscious or conscious nonverbal mirroring can potentially do the same. In cases of conflict, sometimes if one partner can verbally mirror the other, uh, but can remain in a different nonverbal state, then the other partner will eventually synchronize their emotions to the first partner. In the case of Dr. Melfi and Tony Soprano, Dr. Melfi verbally mirrors Tony, but doesn't nonverbally mirror his anger. So she remains calm, and after Tony further develops his thoughts and feelings, he begins to nonverbally mirror Dr. Melfi, and he becomes calm as well. Mirroring is a critical practice, and emotional contagion is a critical consideration for interpersonal communication. Later on in another episode when we talk about leadership, I'm gonna talk about one of the key ways of knowing who the leader is in a room. Um, So if you walk in a room, there's a bunch of other people. The leader is almost always the person who other people start non-verbally and unconsciously mirroring, whose emotional state is contagious. So if one person enters the room in a really, really excited fashion, and nobody else around that person gets excited, then it's probably the case that that person isn't the leader because they are not kind of emotionally contagious for those around them. Other people aren't unconsciously mirroring them. But if one person enters the room and they're really sad and really angry, and all of a sudden everyone else starts non-verbally demonstrating a sense of sadness and anger, we know that 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 person's emotions have been emotionally contagious and other people have unconsciously started mirroring them. Uh, That's a side thing. We'll get to that when we get to some leadership practices in some episode in the future. For the time being, though, in interpersonal communication, we have to learn how to be conscious when we're verbally of our mirroring practices. And we have to control our verbal mirroring and our nonverbal mirroring. And we need to know that mirroring, especially verbally... Uh, but also non-verbally is the thing that we can do to help build trust and intimacy. It's the thing that can help our partner feel kind of confirmed by the world. Um, so I would say that when, if you remember, you know, we're asking the question, what effect have I had, not did you get it? The effect of mirroring is usually the feeling of trust or intimacy between partners in an interpersonal situation. That's what usually happens. Um, so that's why mirroring is a good and important uh, it's good and important practice to get used to because it's a key kind of component in producing the effect that you want if the effect that you want is trust and intimacy. Um, so mirroring, just rephrasing and restating what others have had to say. In attempt to draw them out and make them feel confirmed, there is a famous, famous Jewish theologian from the middle of the century named Martin Buber, and in one of Buber's best essays, he talks about the kind of need that all of us have this need to feel confirmed by another person, and he didn't use the word confirmation in the kind of Christian Judeo religious sense of the kind of sacrament that teenagers get in the Catholic Church or anything like that, Um, but it's the same sort of. He didn't mean it in that religious tone, but it's the same sort of process, you know, we're being acknowledged by another, and we're getting another to say, I hear you, and the process of mirroring allows for that feeling of confirmation, and it it makes that other person feel as if they really have been heard by another person, which is a powerful, powerful thing. So mirroring leads to the second kind of practice, the second more general practice that I wanted to talk about for this episode, and that's active listening. Active listening is a way of responding to another person that improves mutual understanding. It's a little bit more... It's more complex than mirroring. It's a slightly more advanced technique, if you will. Um, but it's in the same sort of... Uh, it's in the same trajectory. Um, often when people talk to each other, they don't listen attentively. Perhaps they're maybe they're Maybe they're half listening or half thinking about something else. And especially when people are engaged in conflict... They are often busy uh, thinking about their own response to what's being said. They assume that they've heard what their other person is saying many times before. So rather than pay attention, they focus on how they can respond to win the argument. Active listening is a structured form of responding that focuses the attention on the partner, on the other person. The listener has to take care to attend to their partner, the other person, fully. And at first, active listening involves repeating, in the listener's own words, what the partner has said. The listener doesn't have to agree with the partner. He or she must simply state what they think the partner has said. Uh, That enables the partner to find out whether the listener really understood. If the listener didn't, the other partner can explain some more. Often, the listener is encouraged to interpret their partner's words in terms of feelings. Uh, so instead of just repeating what happened, the active listener might add context by identifying the feelings that his or her partner are displaying. So if someone says, you know, uh, I don't know why we didn't go out last night, and the active listener says, okay, you want to know why we didn't go out last night, but I'm also hearing that you're really angry when you say that, so you're really upset that we didn't go out last night. Um so the other partner can go beyond confirming that the listener has understood what happened by indicating that the listener also understood the partner's sort of psychological response to it. So mirroring is one of the initial and most basic forms of active listening. And just to restate or summarize and reflect, that the sorry, mirroring is just to restate, summarize, or reflect another person's position. And that is the initial step in active listening. But I want to develop that further and identify some additional forms of active listening that can also help you become a better partner or better at interpersonal communication. First, you should engage in emotional labeling by putting feelings into words. In order to help your partner begin with this task, you can often use soft and tentative openers. So something like you might say, I am getting the sense that you might feel worried or anxious or nervous. And your partner might not be fully aware of the emotional content of what they're saying. And so emotional labeling shows that you're listening for the emotional content as well. And see here, notice we're beyond simply mirroring. Uh, We've gone beyond restating or rephrasing to add that sort of tentative emotional label to what it is that you're hearing. Second practice. So first practice of active listening beyond mirroring is to emotionally label, put feelings into words. Second. It's to ask probing questions. These are questions to draw someone deeper and to get a more substantive and complex, get at more substantive and complex details, or more substantive and complex information or concerns. For example, you could ask a hypothetical question. What do you think might happen if you did X? What do you think what would happen if you did Y? Uh, what do you think would the outcome would be if we did this thing or this other thing? So those are probing questions designed to draw someone deeper into their thoughts. Third, you could validate the other by responding in an interested interested way. If you're trying to acknowledge the other person's thoughts, feelings or experiences and, and empathetically confirm the importance of your partner's attempt to communicate those thoughts, feelings or experiences, then you might say something like, I really appreciate your willingness to talk about this sensitive and difficult issue. In other words, you're making a positive statement that demonstrates your interest in your partner's continued talking about what it is that they're concerned with. So that's the way you might validate another's response in an interested way. Fourth, you could allow for comfortable silences that slow conversations down. That's actually part of active listening. Too often, especially in intense or heated moments of communication, we rush to say all that we wish to say, but an active listener is able to pause. An active listener handles silence well. An active listener gives their partner time to think about what it is that they are saying, what they want to say. And silence can be very helpful in diffusing intense conversations that could potentially become overheated. Uh, Fifth part of active listening, you can use I statements and focus on the content of what your partner says and not your partner. So an I message lets your partner know how you feel and why and prevents the conversation from veering toward the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, communication cycle. And we haven't talked about that cycle just yet, but in a later episode, we're going to talk about criticism, contempt, and defensiveness. That's a kind of uh, easy to spot communication cycle that you want to avoid. Um, but and and iMessage is just you know I'm hearing you say this. I feel like you're. I feel uh, a little bit upset by that. Um, you're phrasing things not as a you message, not as you're telling me this, that's really your problem, it's not mine, something like that. In addition, uh, you should avoid why questions. Why questions tend to make people defensive. You should avoid advising, offering recommendations about what you think ought to happen, telling someone what to do. You should avoid patronizing, looking down on your partner. You should avoid preaching, constantly using the word should, and you should avoid interrupting. This shows your partner that you're not interested in them. So those kind of five initial practices uh, of active listening, emotionally label, ask probing questions, validate the other by responding in an interested way, allow for comfortable silence and use I statements. Those are on one side. On the other side, there are these other kinds of questions and tactics which are not active listening. So, you know, those are avoiding why questions, avoiding advising, Avoiding patronizing, avoiding preaching, and avoiding interrupting. You know, the preaching, when when someone's really upset, um, this is a classic problem in interpersonal relationships, but if someone is really upset, um, they're concerned about something, they're having a bad day at work, and they tell their partner, and their partner's like, well, you should do this. You should really just go and do that. That's not what the person needs at that moment, and someone skilled at interpersonal communication knows that, knows to avoid those should statements, and instead focus on these forms of active listening. Because the consequence of active listening, well, there are several major benefits or major effects of active listening. First, it forces people to listen attentively to others, like it forces you as a communicator to listen attentively. Second, it avoids misunderstandings. People have to confirm that they do really understand what the person has said. Third, it tends to open people up to get them to say more, and it leads to further self-disclosure. When people are in conflict, they often contradict each other, denying the opponent's description of a situation. And that makes people defensive, and they'll either lash out or withdraw or say nothing. However, if they feel that their opponent is really concerned and wants to listen, they're likely to explain in detail what they feel and why. So if both parties to a conflict do this the chances of being able to develop a solution with a mutual uh, to their kind of problem becomes much greater active listening also shows great respect to the speaker it demonstrates an authentic interest in understanding the, your partner's point of view which facilitates the development of trust and intimacy you know people always say okay interpersonal relationships are about trust and intimacy and they want to know like how do you develop trust and intimacy well it just doesn't come out of thin air uh, mirroring and active listening are, are two main components of how trust and intimacy are developed. There are others, but they're they're big ones. Uh, so active listening also allows us to spot flaws in our partner's reasoning. It makes it I- easier for either partner to consider alternatives. And all those are ways of gaining a more substantive understanding of our partner. In any case, active listening is a conscious skill that requires practice to master. In some ways, it's a profound way to affect our partner without using words or symbols to produce those profound effects. We're simply using our partner's words, along with silence, concentration, patience, attentiveness, and some brief questions or restatements in order to draw our partner closer to us and make our partner feel things that words couldn't make him or her feel. There's a technique that I call the image response, and this is a more advanced form of active listening, and it requires careful phrasing on the part of the listening partner. But this is the last sort of listening technique I'll give you for for this episode. But when you're engaged in a conversation with someone, inevitably, what that other person says will produce an effect on the listener. We know that from extensive research in interpersonal communication, that this effect is not just a matter of the words that one person chooses, but it's the consolidation of several different factors. Remember, interpersonal communication is multimodal. One way to understand this effect is to pay attention to the image being created in the mind of the listener, and if you're the listener in your mind. For example, if my partner tells me a story about something that happened at work that day, that story is likely to have at least one signature image that affects me as the listener and draws my attention. An active listener reflects this image back to their conversation partner. It's important to note that the image may not be the same image that the speaker had intended from the story, In other words, this isn't just a matter of mirroring words, but actively reporting on the main effect that a speaker is having on a listener. I might say to my partner, wow, I I can just see your boss's red face and how angry he must have been. This would be an authentic response by virtue of how I have reported on the main image and the main effect that I've taken from my partner's story or my partner's words. My partner might be surprised by this response, but something in her story or her multimodal way of communicating or expressing the story made an impression. So a good listener brings this to the attention of their conversation partner so that their partner is aware of the effect that he or she is having. An even more advanced form of this kind of active listening requires that the listener articulate the deeper meaning or emotional value behind their partner's words in such a way that their partner wishes he or she could have articulated it themselves. In other words, the image response technique can quickly turn into the deep listener technique. So the deep listener is different from the image response. Uh, In the deep listener technique, one partner seems to intuitively know and explain exactly what the other partner is trying to say with his or her story or anecdote. When the speaker or storyteller hears the deeper meaning of their words reflected back to him or her, then the speaker or storyteller will be drawn closer to to the listener and feel deep intimacy, as if the listener just gets him or her. These forms of active listening go beyond mirroring and require one partner to actively construct either the image or the deeper meaning of the other partner's words, and they are tricky. So in this episode, we covered some basic interpersonal communication practices. Mirroring, both verbal and nonverbal mirroring, active listening, uh, and the image response technique and the deep listener technique. Active listening and mirroring are really things you can go out and practice today, later today or, or tomorrow. They're super simple. Um, they're really helpful. They're good interpersonal communication practices. Image response and the deep listener technique are a bit more advanced and complex. They require some careful thoughts um, and they require a lot more practice to get just right. Anyway, though that's a, a lot of information today. I promised we'd be more specific. Hopefully this episode was far more specific than, than the first two, but this is a better indication of I think what the other episodes of this podcast are going to look like. We're going to delve into an increasing number of specific techniques like these from mirroring to act to the image response technique to the deep listener technique to all these sorts of things. So you've been listening to episode three of Now We're Talking with Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo. I'm going to sign off and next week we'll be back with some more communication practices for us to talk about. Thanks.